Hello, and welcome to Adopter Stories by Adoption Now. In this latest episode of Adopter Stories, we're once again talking about adopting a child with complex needs. And this time we're speaking to our guests, Catherine and Adrian. Now in the previous episode around complex needs, we spoke to Naz and Rick about their adoption journey. And we highly recommend you go and listen to that one too. Catherine and Adrian have adopted three children already with each child having additional needs, and they're waiting to be matched with their fourth child. In this episode, we talk about their adoption story, the battles that the couples have faced, and also about why they're adopting for a fourth time. So without further ado, let's get straight to the interview. Hello and welcome onto the podcast. Hi, nice to meet you. So, in this particular episode, we're talking about adopting a child with complex needs but perhaps we can start at the beginning and find out how you came to adopt. Um, well, when we met, we knew that kind of having children naturally um, quite challenging, but we didn't really want to go down any kind of medical routes. We just straight off felt comfortable with the idea of adoption. I'd been a teacher for quite a long time at that point, so I kind of knew a little bit about children in the care system and we felt confident from the word go about you know taking on a child that was potentially hard to place just because of of my previous experience. I was second time married and I wanted my own family with the calf uh having previously had two boys who were growing up fast and going into the army so um we wanted our own family um historically calf's mum and uh uh, and my father-in-law they were trying for a long time to just have calf they managed to have one one child in their family at the very end of last chance saloon sort of thing mm-hmm. and um we, we we just decided that that was that we we couldn't really sort of wait that long uh to start our own family and uh we, we did have a really good think about it and then we realized that the more we talked about it the more open we were to uh taking on various uh challenges because you know when we if you know us if you know us well we we don't do things the easy way right it's <laughs> not easy so we we kind of come across as uh people who take on a challenge right and, and, and we have done and we, uh, yeah that's how it's been really nice and, and we knew from the start that adoption was going to be far more pleasant than kind of um ivf or donor sperm or anything like yeah. that we you know i wasn't up for any of that i would i would you know rather give a child an opportunity to have a family that yeah. wasn't going to get one otherwise absolutely so how did you find the process then? No problem, mate. All, all times, it's been really, really positive. I mean, you read all sorts of horror stories in the press, but yeah. that's not been us. And we can say that four times over, twice with our local authority, once with a, another authority, and then and then yourself. So three different authorities or agencies, three different, mm. completely different experiences, but all very positive, smooth, straightforward. Obviously, when you've done it once, you know what you're letting yourself in for. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is intrusive. It's quite invasive. Um, but it's, it's, but it's, it's, it's character building, it's mate, character at the same building, time. Yeah. You find out things about yourself and challenge, challenge yourself that you wouldn't normally do. Yeah. But you, it, it, you can't nothing, sit in a corner. You don't sit in a corner on stuff like this. There's nothing unpleasant about it at all. We've not, we've not had any unpleasant experiences we, we were lucky to have any of our journeys. We've had some yeah. amazing social workers. We had experienced people help us all the way mm. along and made us feel we could ask any question at all. And we always did. But that's all, you know, like I say, you don't go into something half hearted, you go in full, full belt, right? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You ask everything. You ask every. You do every eventuality. You ask every question you can. And like, like I say, thankfully we had experienced people who had the answers for us, which is great. You know, I, I've never felt I've done anything wrong or said anything wrong or tried to ask something that's not been, you know, in line. Yeah. And I've always had yeah. the right answer back, and that's why it's been like a rolling. It's just rolled along, you know, brilliant. Mm. And we've always felt ready each time, you know. It's been yeah. the right time. People talk about that in pregnancy. It's the same kind of timing, <laughs> feelings. We, we we both kind of agreed each time, you know, that the timing was right. And mm-hmm. I think the experiences we've had have been reflective of that timing. You know, the timing is crucial, Each, you know, yeah. when you've done it times. Um, but no, it's been... It's been great, and been good uh, this agency um, has been really, really good. Awesome. So what have been some of the challenges that you faced with adopting a child that has complex needs? Um, you're just fighting constantly. You, you, you're fighting yeah. a system that isn't designed for them constantly, mm-hmm. whether it's healthcare, social, you know, not social care. We've not experienced that, but, you know, healthcare, um, education. You what, know. what you do is you fight for the individual. You fight for yeah. your own nipper. And it's a personal thing. That, mm. I mean, a lot of the issues are, you know, you're just a number, you're just pigeonholed, you know what I mean? But you fight yeah. the corner. And you never let them go, never let anything go for this nipper. Because it's like it's like you're doing, if, you, if you're doing a three peaks challenge or something, and you train so hard for it, you don't give up halfway through. You follow it all mm. through. And that's what yeah. you've got to do with these nippers. And it can keep... be, I mean, our eldest daughter's got cerebral palsy. Uh, yeah. And um, that's been quite challenging emotionally at times we've we've done the works in terms of um you know looking after a child with cerebral palsy from enduring like nine hours waiting for us to come out of the operating theater hmm. i mean i like smashed apart and straightened and um to kind of all stupid stuff like fighting with the gp over not paying for a letter to take on an airplane because she needs medication you know and which was exceeding liquids rules you know so you you go through the range of of things and challenges um in meeting those needs um but it's really really rewarding and we've never we've never lost a battle yet so we feel quite passionate about that and you know we do speak with other parents who are having the same battles and um we've kind of been there done that in terms of physical disability Mm. um you know even even as far as when she was really really young getting her to the right doctor and and you just do feel like you're jumping through hoops all the time and you, and you just feel like this world's not actually designed for them so if the world's not designed for them you need to kind of make a mini world for them that that is mm. that's what we've always done really i mean we've got older hay on our doorstep so that's been really good but even when she was tiny getting her into there was was a challenge because we didn't live in liverpool and at the time it was all like a bit of a postcode lottery um but yeah, that was probably that's probably been the biggest challenge. And then we've got a middle child with learning difficulties. She's got fetal alcohol syndrome, and the world just misunderstands her constantly. So you kind of spend you, you, battles are different now. You know, with her, it's been educational battles where she's not fitted into any particular school. She wouldn't fit into a special school, but then she struggles in mainstream. You know, mm. um, and we've been through the range of independent education homeschooling small primary school everything you know just to try and just to try everything just to try and get her to achieve what she can and and in the end we 
did win a battle to get an educational healthcare plan for her but once again you know that was turned down that application initially and we we won the battle in the end and, and that fight was very much surrounding education for her yeah. kind of just got to differentiate your expectations a little bit you know whereas other parents are talking about GCC results they love the results university we've got probably two out of our three children we can do that for but with her you know it's got to be different expectations and um planning her future around her needs and just helping helping her to achieve her best outcomes and be the best person she can be but everything is a battle um in getting support with those needs you know but there's nothing more rewarding in the end than knowing that you've done your best and you know got the outcome that you need for them so what have been some of the highs and those rewards that you talked about the highs the highs have been like the highs can be anything from like a, getting a big smile on a swing you know what i mean <laughs> or or a, a yeah. spook someone and getting a, a massive reaction and then they'll come back and do it to you and you'll think you'll be so surprised and thinking Dad, get on the swing. I can't get on the swing. My bum won't fit. And it's like, you know, they run around you, and, and it's like, come on, come on. And you, you get as much out of it as they do. Mm. And it's so rewarding, mate. But seeing a kid, seeing a kid smile, and seeing a kid happy at night, all settled down at night, and in a really good day, and they're absolutely shattered, and you're reading the story, and they're drifting off to sleep, and you go downstairs, and you're laying the clothes out for morning, and all that sort of stuff. It's just rewarding, mate. Say, to get that reward, you've got to work. Don't never give up work on it. Never mm-hmm. ever let anyone get you down about it. That's the positive. You've got to be positive about it. Um, so our eldest daughter with CP, we got told she wouldn't walk, she'd need a special school, um, she'd never be dry, all sorts of, you know, the blackest picture, probably just to prepare us for potentially what could what could be. Um mm-hmm. However, she's walking. She's mm. she's had a total of nine operations, but all well worth it. Um, she does walk now. Uh, she's twenty this year. Um, she's turned twenty this year. She swam at national level. She's just got amazing A level results. Um, <laughs> she rides a horse. There's nothing she doesn't do, and that's kind of a reward in that we've yeah. battled that physical disability and we've got yeah. a middle one that we fought for educationally is absolutely thriving in school um because she gets the level of support she needs that in itself is a reward mm. um you know and our kind of expectations and plans around her and her expectations and goals for herself plan her education around she just dances all the time um, <laughs> So everything with her is very dramatic and, you know, and we're, we're just fully supportive of, of her in yeah. that. But without that level of support in school, we definitely mm. wouldn't be where we are today in being able to do GCSEs with support. And, you know, she's just done a BTEC musical theatre and done really well in it, um, planning to move on to the next level next year with the with the correct level of support. So that that's kind of a real high. Uh, and I guess you've just got to know where to tune into, really. And we've got a lot of support from other people with children with fetal alcohol syndrome all over the world initially mm-hmm. just to help us understand her so that's like a, that's quite a big network then is it yeah, yeah yeah the medical profession locally haven't got that level of expertise you know it's quite relatively a new concept to a lot of doctors unless they're specialists in that field and mm-hmm. you know so that's kind of a high when you get you know that achievement of 
her needs being recognised due to something that's happened in utero, in essence, you know, it's nothing to do with what's happening now or, you know, anything we can change, but, you know, it's that level of acceptance sometimes that you can't change the situation and it's quite, quite emotional at times. Yeah. It makes you quite angry sometimes. That's that's a bit of a challenge sometimes because, you know, that's been done to her. But all we can do now is try and just make life better for her and help achieve what she can. I understand that you're thinking about adopting again. Yep. We've just been approved for the fourth time. So other than the two little girls, well, little girls, big girls we've talked about, we've got... Yeah. Um, our youngest is 12, so we've got a, a 12-year-old son as well. Um, he was adoption number three. Right. So what's prompted you to come back and adopt again then? Um, we started off by deciding and having this brain pot idea of fostering. We thought it would be a good idea because all three of our children had got a plan for long-term foster care if they couldn't be placed. Um, eldest child, they struggled to find a placement because of you know she got cerebral palsy and a level of uncertainty um our middle child obviously mum's drug and alcohol use um was causing you know major concerns and then the third our little boy he's got a genetic condition he's got a partial deletion of chromosome 10 um which is really really rare so that was making him he'd, he'd been waiting two years to be placed by the time he came home mm-hmm. um but the plan for all three children was long-term foster care so we decided actually we could you know turn this into a positive and expand our family through fostering and provide a child that needed long-term foster care that had you know been hard to place with a bit of stability Um, and we did start the assessment process but then the further we went along the more our children were saying but why can't we have another you know forever brother or sister Mainly sister. It's been sister all along, you know, especially, mm. I, I don't know why, um, <laughs> a little sister all along. Um, but they couldn't, they, they were really unaccepting of the fact that this child wouldn't be their sister or brother and that they may not stay forever. They wouldn't be part of our family forever. And they were really, really struggling with that. And it was their voices we listened to in the end mm. and we, we didn't get to the end of the process we swapped and said no let's listen to our children and and each time we've adopted me and Ada have had this kind of like wobbly feeling and, and you told me that now's the, the right time you know probably when people are wanting that late baby you know we got that we got that feeling of let's just do this one more time because it's just it's the most beautiful thing yeah. you know bringing that child home and we just want we, we we want we want to experience that one more time and our little boy's desperate not to be the youngest he's desperate to be a big brother and we just thought why not you know give them permanency something that we could give in long-term foster care but actually this child will be a new sibling for them and yeah. that's what they they were so desperate for and they were really struggling with the concept of you know a child coming and leaving and so were we if, if all truth be known you know by the yeah. end of it you know we, our children are so kind of sharing in that sense and I think it's a really generous thing for them to suddenly say we'll open up our house to another child you know Mm -hmm. um and so we listen to them and and that's where we are now so we were approved in September we're just awaiting a match so very exciting (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like your children are just as caring as you guys seem to be they're cool kids (laughs) (laughs) 
So is there anything that you've learned through your previous experiences of adoption that you feel will help you this time around? Um, yeah, I think, you know, the age of the child coming in, we know what age is right for our family just from previous experiences. Mm. Um, we could say the same agenda as well, you know. We've got a pretty good picture of how the dynamics of our children work and, you know, the whole process of, um, you know, matching and then the whole process of introductions and everything. We've done it three times, you know, we kind of know what's in store to a point, although things have moved on a little bit in terms of timing, I think, of, of introductions. It does take a little bit longer at the minute. Yeah. Um, so I think we're kind of well prepared for that. And we've already started preparing our children with how that's all going to work. Our two elders do remember our youngest coming home, although the middle one thinks she went on holiday and came back with a baby. <laughs> um, we, we had to kind of remind her, you know, how all that works. Um, our eldest daughter, you know, she she remembers um, really well both both the younger siblings coming home. So we're not too concerned about about that. Um, but I know the process of introductions for some people, if it's the first time, must be really really daunting. So I think we're just going to draw on our past experience. It's really tiring. It's really emotional. Um, but we've you know we've done it before and we can do it again um and obviously the whole you know the whole life story thing we've got three children with three completely different life stories you know so we feel that it's obviously you know it, it's something that is daunting you know yeah. talking about yeah. those things those difficult conversations it's always going to be daunting however many times you've done it but once again we feel you know we can draw on on that experience of life story work and turn it into into a positive like we've done previously um and just the whole perceptions around adoption you know you do get mixed reactions from people when you say you're doing this yeah. um and, and you've got to be quite quite tough from the start because you get really stupid comments like oh how do you love someone else's child and, and you're like well they're my child now you know we've just been through mm. court and of course we love them the same you know and it, it can it can be quite upsetting and quite hurtful of things people think because if you're not if you're not experiencing something you can't you know understand it can you and yeah um so we'll definitely draw on on the we're kind of well armored for comments and they're not comments that are intended to upset us they're just ignorant comments because people don't understand and this is from people that you know and yeah yeah yeah, yeah and i think any experienced adopter will say the same People say the most stupid things, you know, work colleagues, I've had colleagues at work who are pre pregnant and then, you know, they'll suddenly say, it can't feel like this, so adoption. And you're like, actually, it feels exactly the same. You know, even, even your hormones are affected. It's exactly the same. Um, yeah. And yeah, of course, you'll love the child the same. You know, there, there is no difference. And my husband has done this both ways. He's got two birth sons and he's adopted and he, he'll be the first to say his feelings are just the same you know but it's just explaining that to the outside world and explaining attachment and sometimes explaining behaviors and these might not necessarily anymore be people who we know um or who are friends or family even professionals will come in and you know meet your new child and then start telling you how delayed they might be and then you have to actually explain well actually this child's been through a move they've been through a trauma they might have had several 
foster placements before they've come home. Of course, they're going to go a little bit backwards before we start making progress. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and just situations like that. And you've just got to be ready. Um, but I think I'm hoping by number four, we've kind of hit everything we can possibly hit. And we've got really supportive friends and family, you know, who will be there for us all the way anyway. You know, everyone's really excited for us. So I think this time round, we're, we're kind of ready for anything that hits us. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice would you give to adopters that are coming through the process or indeed anyone actually is thinking about adoption? What would you say to them? I would say just block off anything that you read in the press or anything you see on social media that's negative. Um, it's the most amazing thing in the world. Um, it's really exciting. And you just kind of, you'll have up and down days where you, especially first time round, where you just need to get through panel and you might doubt yourself. You might wonder if you're good enough. Um, that was perfectly normal. That's perfectly normal. We were like that as well. I think we've kind of increased with a little bit of confidence as we've gone along each time. Um, and you've just got to really, really focus on focus on what you're doing. Um, you won't regret it. You absolutely won't regret it. And it is just so exciting. Um, I mean, getting approved is is, is exciting. Um, that brings so much anticipate anticipation because you just don't know who's going to come mm. and join your family. And then, obviously, getting through matching panel. That that really is totally amazing because I mean, for us. Each time we've we've gone to matching panel and been a pit John Lewis straight away and gone and bought a new pram or a new push chair, um, and it and it, it it really is just kind of a really exciting time in your life, and you've just kind of got to be really strong, you know, in your own head when you're faced with the challenges of what other people say might say to you, or the misconceptions they might come up with. Um, just to really really stay focused on the outcome of that child and and remember that you know you've you've got a child coming to join your family and you know you can't you can't really beat that there's nothing in the world that can can beat that um and i think the other thing that you you know people will comment some people say oh aren't you good aren't you brave aren't you isn't that child going to be so lucky and to us that's a kind of a load of nonsense because we feel like we're the lucky ones and I think that's probably a, a more realistic way round of understanding the feelings that you'll get when you do adopt because because yeah. uh, that's the truth um, what those children bring to your family is, is kind of unreal um, and that's it really Thank you so much to Catherine and Adrian for coming onto the podcast if hearing their stories got you thinking about adoption then we would love to hear from you you can visit our website which is adoptionnow.org.uk there you'll find a whole host of resources such as a downloadable information pack children's stories adoptive videos podcasts and more you can always call our information line which is open 9am to 5pm monday to friday on 01204 336096 thank you so much for listening Take care and we'll see you in the next episode of Adopter Stories by Adoption Now.